All right, well, now that our bellies are filled with delicious food, we have the privilege of hearing from Rachel Pontier. Rachel has come to us from Macon, Georgia, which is my hometown, where she, where she serves at First Presbyterian Church. She serves young adults and women at First Pres Macon, and um, she also lives just up the street from four of my nephews. Um, so it is just a privilege for us to have Rachel here this evening, and if you would go ahead and come up, I will say a prayer for you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of delicious food and fellowship and just for the opportunity to be together once again um, in this beautiful space that you've given to us. Thank you now that you have given us your servant, Rachel, to speak the truth of the gospel to our hearts tonight. We ask and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in and through her and in each of our hearts. Thank you that um, you have given us the gospel. Thank you that it is true and good news. And I pray that it would land on all of our hearts tonight as very good news. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Do you mind if I move this, this binder? Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Rachel Pontier. I do currently live in Macon, Georgia, but I'm not originally from Georgia. I'm from Iowa. Anybody? Anybody in the room? Okay, if I'm the first Iowan you've met, greetings. It's a beautiful state. You may have flown over it at one point. Uh, I encourage you to land on it if you can. Beautiful fields, really good steak, really good pork chops. Um, and nice, tall people like me. Uh, before we begin tonight, I just wanted to say thank you, one, for having me and inviting me. It's such a privilege to be here. But also, I am a woman in ministry, and I talk to a lot of women in ministry, and I hear a lot of stories of women in ministry. And all the stories that I've heard coming from this church have been so encouraging. When Caroline called me, a couple months ago before she moved here and was talking to me about potentially moving to, to work at a church in Birmingham. I, we were talking it through, and I asked, I was like, can I know the name of the church that you're thinking of going to? She said, Covenant. I was like, go, go. I have heard such encouraging things from this church, so thank you. Thank you so much for loving your staff members, especially your female staff members well. Um, your reputation is going out far and wide. All right, I'm going to move this just a little bit right there. Perfect. Can you all still hear me? Great. I do have kind of a loud voice. We are going to be talking tonight about rest, specifically gospel rest. Rest in the midst of busy seasons. Before we start, a quick little story. It was a beautiful, sunny October day. It was Sunday. I had gone to church, worked at church, had a busy morning, came home, ate my lunch, really had nothing to do on this Sunday afternoon. I had a professional beach volleyball match that I really wanted to watch. Again, any pro beach volleyball players or fans out there? No? Nobody? I'm alone again. Great. 
It was a beautiful day, uh, and I had some time to kill, and so I thought, ah, I have not hung up my hammock in a while and sat in my hammock. I should do that. So I went in my bedroom, got my hammock, brought it out to our porch, and the way our house is set up, the front of our house, uh, the porch covers about three-fourths of the front of the house, and then the last fourth are the sidewalk, cement steps, and the cement slab that lead up. And on this side of the cement slab is a small brick wall that just comes up a little bit higher than the cement slab. And on the other side of that is a tree. And on that tree, there is a branch that's been broken off. It's probably about the size of my wrist, and it is the perfect hammock hook. And so I hook one side of my hammock on that tree, and I string it across the brick wall and the cement slab and a little bit of our porch to a hook that's on our house. And it creates this beautiful space, shaded, close to the house, steps outside my front door. It is the perfect place to relax on a day such as this. And so I get my hammock, I hang it up. I sit in it for about an hour and a half, listening to Lord of the Rings. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there? Okay. Woo! <sighs> Finally, we relate on something. <laughs> Listen to some Lord of the Rings on audiobook and just relax. Look at my watch. Ah! My Pro Beach volleyball match is about to start. Go inside, watch the volleyball game. And then I really have nothing to do for the rest of the day. It's about four o'clock, and I'm thinking, I'm going to take a nap in that hammock. This is going to be great. So I go back outside, and I notice that the hammock is pretty low to the ground at this point, that if I get in it, I'm going to be dragging, and it's not going to be as comfortable. So I'm at the, the hook by the house, and so I pull it tighter. It's, now it's about three feet off the ground. Tie it up, secure it. And then confidently get back in the hammock. And as I'm swinging my legs up and just leaning back, snap. I'm on the ground, and the edge of the brick wall is digging into my lower back. Yeah, all, all of those feelings. And so I gingerly get up, and I look down at the ground, and that beautiful branch that was the perfect hook on this tree is on the ground swarming with termites. It was really tragic. It was very tragic. Uh, I'm still recovering from that fall. I had put my trust, I had put my whole weight on something that was hollow, something that was never meant to hold me. And it betrayed me. And it was painful. It worked for a bit, but then I found myself bruised and broken by the fall. And I think this is something that we can all relate to. When we think about rest, when we think about what gives us rest, there's some things that work for a time, but then when we put our whole weight on them, we find that they don't actually meet that need. They don't satisfy. Because the reality about rest is that this world was never meant to satisfy that need. We will never find true rest in this world. It wasn't meant for that. C.S. Lewis is a theologian and author, and he says this, if I find myself, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And I'd like to say that C.S. Lewis is right. We long for rest. We have the desire to have that deep soul rest. We go on vacations. We plan. We, we try to work our way into that rest, and it never fully satisfies. It's so elusive. So we're left with that question, what can? What can give me rest? 
You see, we need better anchors. We need better hooks. We need a better foundation for our rest. So I invite you tonight to join me over the next few minutes as we look at what the Bible has to say about this question. This ancient text has a lot of wisdom in it. I'm not sure where you're coming at from tonight. If you have read your Bible many times, or maybe you've never read it at all, this book has answers. This book has wisdom in it. And it offers us something more. It offers us someone more. So with that in mind, let's jump in and explore what the Bible has to say. But first, let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, and we are so grateful for an opportunity to look at your word um, and see the truth that is in it. Lord, I ask that you be with us tonight. Lord, if we are here knowing you and loving you, thank you. Help us to learn and grow. Lord, if we are here and we don't know you, Lord, I ask that you give us open ears and may your spirit work powerfully. And it's your name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at two things tonight. First, the foundation for our rest and the formation of our rest. The foundation and the formation. Like I said, we need better anchors to hang the hammock, to use that illustration, of our rest on. We need a better foundation. We find that foundation right at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, in two passages, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Now, if you know your Bibles, you've probably heard of those passages before. Exodus 20 is where we find the first, the first time the Ten Commandments meet us in the Bible, and Deuteronomy 5 is the second time we see the Ten Commandments in the Bible. These verses come to a group of people who, are, who have very little context for what is good, right, and true in the world. And so God, right at the beginning of the Bible, teaches them how to relate to each other, how to relate to him, and how to relate to the world around him, around them. And part of God's character in, in teaching them how to do is he's showing them his character. And part of God's character is he is a God of rest. He rests. And so we see right away in Exodus 20, verse 11, we, I think we have the slide. Ah, there it is. Perfect. Thank you, Tyler. Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now again, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that this verse is coming from the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are really good. They're very well known. Um, sometimes we read the Ten Commandments and we're like, okay, it's talking about the Sabbath day, but each commandment goes deeper. Each commandment actually has way more implications than we think. And so we're not going to be looking at the surface. We're actually going to be digging a little bit deeper into this commandment and looking at what rest is, how God gives us a foundation for rest in these verses. So where is the foundation for rest here? It's in the fact that God is in control. He's the designer, the creator, the source of all things. And as such, the weight of the world doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on his. You see, we are called to follow God's good design. One author puts it this way. Rest here is imitating God so that we stop trying to be God. God calls us to rest so that we stop trying to do his job. One of the things I do at my church is I'm a wedding coordinator, which is a really fun job because I get to tell people what to do. Uh, but, and I get to meet with the brides and the bridal parties and the parents, and we get to plan out the day and uh, just really make sure everything is run smoothly. 
And inevitably, on the day of the wedding, usually the mother of the bride will come up to me and be like, really worried about something. You know, there's the flowers or the dress or her outfit or the corsage. And I have to look at her and say, I've got this. Do you see this clipboard? I have a clipboard. (laughs) Clearly, I'm in charge. All right? Go relax. Enjoy the day. I will make sure that that happens. That is not your job. That is my job. God is telling us here to let go. True rest is found in trusting him and releasing control. But we often act as if the opposite is true. The more control that we have, the better we're going to feel, right? The more I've planned it out perfectly, the more I've put everything in order, then, then I can rest. Okay, I've got it all planned. We can rest. I can relax. But we know that that's not true. Because if it all depends on you, if you're the only one in control, then whatever happens, it's up to you. If it goes well, oh great, it went well. Phew, okay, now we got to keep this going, all right? All this pressure. If it goes badly, then it's your fault. God graciously tells us here, I've got this. You can rest. So Exodus 20 verse 11 tells us that God is in control. That's one hook. The second hook is in Deuteronomy 5 verse 15. It says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Where is the foundation for rest here? Where is that hook? It's in God's deliverance. The people that this book was written to were stuck in Egypt for over 400 years. They couldn't get out on their own. They needed help. They cried out for relief, and God saved them. God here is graciously telling them, reminding them, that they are free from their old taskmasters. And people that he has delivered, they get to rest. He is teaching them a new skill. One of the other jobs that I have is I'm a volleyball coach. Uh, And every practice, I am telling my girls the same thing over and over and over and over, trying to teach them a new skill. It is very hard to teach a new skill because old habits are really hard to break. God here is trying to teach them a new skill, and the skill is how to rest. The skill is how to live out of their deliveredness, so to speak. Because in Egypt, the old narrative was that their worth and their value was in how much they produced and how fast they produced it. Does that sound familiar? We are told this narrative in almost every arena of our lives. Yet God is trying to teach us a new one. You are not a slave. You have been delivered. You have been redeemed. Live in that freedom. Rest in God's gracious salvation. So the main point for us here is simple. The two hooks that we hang our rest on is that God is in control and he has redeemed us. He has given us his salvation. Mark Buchanan in his book on rest says it this way, Exodus looks up, Deuteronomy looks back. One evokes God's character, the other his redemption. One calls us to holy imitation, the other to holy defiance. This is good news, sisters. This is good news. Our rest is not founded on our achievements. It's not founded on our pickleball record or 
how well we plan out the holiday menu or how, what the scale says. All right, our rest is not founded. <laughs> our rest is not founded on those things. Those things will betray us. They are hollow. They will break and they will leave us bruised and broken and not able to load the dishwasher because it hurts to bend over. <laughs> our rest is found in trusting a creator God, his deliverance, his faithful control, his abundant provision. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows exactly what we need. So how do we do this? If these are the two hooks, how do, if these are the two hooks that we're hanging our hammock on, how do we actually lay in the hammock? Well, that comes to our second point, the formation of our rest. And for that, we're going to go to the New Testament, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Hopefully this is a familiar verse to many of you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With the two hooks of God as creator and deliverer, how do we actually rest in this hammock and enjoy it? Well, this verse tells us first that we need to come to Jesus. Jesus invites us to himself, and the invitation is to everyone, all people, everywhere, this invitation is for weary and burdened people, people for whom the pressure and demand of this world is too much, people for whom their guilt and their shame makes them want to hide, people who are tired and exhausted from simple everyday life, people who need rest. Is that you? Come to Jesus. He calls us to come to him. How do we go to him? We go to him like a child, needy, helpless, and loved. And the verses right before our, our passage up here in verses, I think it's 20, 24 and 25, I can't do math. In uh, the verses right before, you see Jesus saying that it's not to the wise and the learned that he has revealed these things, but it's to little children. And if you spent any time around kids, you've probably seen what he's talking about. They can't do anything by themselves. They need help with everything. They need help with their shoes, getting dressed. They can't go to the bathroom without help. They're pretty helpless. But they are also very secure in the fact that they are loved. They know, no matter how often they wake you up at 4 a.m., that you will show up, that you will give them a hug, that you will kiss them. But as adults, we pride ourselves on being independent, right? I do it myself. And... Like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when our shame and guilt become too much, we run and hide. We're like, he couldn't possibly love me. Jesus tells us that the only way we can come and rest in him is if we admit our need for help and allow him to break those habits of spiritual independence and surrender to him. So the great news here is that he actually longs to do this for us. He longs and delights in helping and assuring us of his love. He longs to take away our guilt. He wants to free us from our shame. Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus has gone to the pit of hell so that we could come to him. 
So we come to him, and then he tells us to take his yoke. Now, this word yoke is kind of an odd word. I'm from Iowa, so I know all about farming terms. Um, clearly, none of you do. Uh, uh, what's, what we're meant to picture here is that crossbar that goes between two animals, and it connects them to a burden, all right? Jesus knows that this world is going to put all sorts of yokes on our shoulders, connecting us to all sorts of burdens. And frankly, if we're honest, we go after these burdens ourselves. We put these things on our own necks. We place the demands of our jobs, our families, the expectations of the world around us. We put those on our own shoulders, and then we end up exhausted from such burdens. We are all yoked to something. It's that thing that we live for. It might be getting our house to look like Chip and Joanna Gaines just walked out the back door, or finally fitting back into those jeans from college, or getting our kid into the preschool that's going to set them up for life. Yes. (laughs) One author puts it this way, the quality of our work becomes the measure of our worth. The quality of our work becomes the measure of our worth. But the Bible tells us a different story. Your worth and value are not tied to the quality of your work. It's not even tied to how often you go to church or how good you are praying or how many Bible verses you've memorized. The yoke that Jesus is holding out to us is easy and light. It doesn't demand that you be better. It knows that you can't be better. The word easy here in this verse is often translated in the Bible as kind. The yoke that Jesus is offering is kindness and compassion It's not overbearing and manipulative. Author Dane Ortland, who uh, wrote the book Gentle and Lily, if you haven't read read it, I commend it to you. He says it this way, it's like telling a drowning man that he must put on the burden of a life preserver, only to hear him shout back, no way, the last thing I need is the added burden of a life preserver around my body. Do do we realize what Jesus is offering us here? He's telling us that in the craziest and most stressful moments of life, when it feels like we're drowning, your burden can be kind. It can be light. When the world is telling you that this is the most serious thing in the world, and if you don't get this right, everything is ruined. Christ is telling us that we will be okay. He is in control. He is our deliverer. We are safe no matter the outcome. So we're to come to him, we're to take his yoke, and then finally we are to learn from him. As we come to Jesus and take the kind yoke that he offers, what we learn is what it looks like to live as people of rest. We see the way that Jesus lived. We see he is gentle, he is lowly, he isn't haughty or proud. He invites weary, restless, broken people to him. You see, the beauty of finding our rest And what God has done and who he is, is that others begin to see us as people of rest. We slowly become that that person that other people might describe as a non-anxious presence. We are finding it when since we're finding our self-worth and contentment in Christ and not our own achievements or the opinions of others, it actually frees us up to be the kind of friends, spouses, co-workers, church leaders, church members who can love without expecting anything in return. We're not becoming people who have graduated from needing God, 
but we become the type of people who lead others into the arms of Christ. So imagine your holiday gatherings over the next few months. What might it look like? How might you be a woman of rest in that room? What might it look like to let go of the expectations of the perfect holiday gathering? What might it look like to let go of trying to control the conversation so that it doesn't go to the topics you don't want it to go to? What might it look like to serve something that's burned (laughs) and not stress and stay up way too late because it has to be perfect? I can't serve something that's not perfect. What might it look to be a woman of rest and enjoy and celebrate the privilege of family and friends? The holidays are coming. They are often frantic and busy, and we get lost in trying to keep traditions, meet expectations, and looking like we have all our lives all together. Jesus calls us to stop pretending. We don't have it all together, and that's okay, because those are Jesus's favorite people. He invites us to preach the gospel to our own hearts, reminding ourselves that he is in control. He is our deliverer. He is kind. He's gentle. And in him, we find rest for our souls, true rest. I'm not sure where you're at tonight. I'm not sure how you walked into this room. Maybe you walked in with a lot of confidence. This is my church. I know where to go. I've done this before. Maybe like me, you walked into this room and you're like, I have no idea where to go. I don't know anybody. Whatever, whatever your stress is, whatever your anxieties, take them to Jesus. Give it to him. Take his yoke. Trust in his faithful provision and know that no matter how it all turns out, he's a good God. He is your faithful deliverer. He's in control and he is for your good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and the ways that you've loved us, the ways that you have called us to yourself. Lord, as we leave this place, as we go about the rest of our lives, Lord, we ask that you be with us over the next few months. Help us to be women of rest, knowing who you are and knowing what you've done and loving others well. It's your name we pray. Amen.